Good morning. How are y'all this morning? You doing good? All right, somebody's doing good. Thank you, Brother Jack. I appreciate that. But uh, for the rest of you, I hope by the end of the service you're doing fine too. But if you would be taking your Bibles and turning with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 as we continue talking through this uh, couple of chapters in the book of Hebrews that talks to us about faith. Hebrews 12, we're going to look at the first three verses of Hebrews chapter 12 this morning. But before we get into that, I, I wanted to tell you guys something I don't think I've ever shared with you before. It's actually something that just I was reminded of this week, and that's that I was just nearly famous. Like I was almost a big-time actor. I don't know if you guys know this or not about me, but it's true. We had, we had bought a, a car one time, and, and we had a pretty good experience of buying this car, and you know, a couple of week, months go by, and they call me up, and they're like, hey, we're doing a new ad for our, our commercial, and we need you to come down and, and be interviewed, and, and you know, you're going to be included as part of the commercial that we're going to do. I don't know if you guys have ever gotten one of those calls before. I was like, hey, cool, I'm going to be famous, right? People are going to ask for my autograph. So I go down, and you know, they're like, so tell us about the experience you had with your sales rep. And I was like, oh, it was great. He did a good job, and, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da. It was it was wonderful. You should have heard it. It was beautiful. And they said, oh, that's great. That's the best we've heard all day. That's for sure going to make it in our commercial. I was like, that's right. Hollywood next step, right? And so then they say, well, for our next uh, question, we need to ask you, how did this dealership, how did dealing with this dealership make you and your family feel more safe? And I was like, it didn't. In fact, if anything, it's less safe. Now, I've got to pay you people, right? And... and and I tried a couple of times to muster up some sort of thing about feeling safe because I dealt with this group of people and I just couldn't do it. I, I just, I could not give witness or give testimony to something that just absolutely wasn't true. It didn't make me feel safer, which makes you wonder about all the, you know, the testimonials you see on TV and how they get those people to say that, just throwing that out there. But as I was thinking about that and thinking about how hard it was to give testimony to that with a straight face, and, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't help but think about our passage this morning that talks about this cloud of witnesses we have that talk about the faith uh, that we are pursuing, that we're following. And I, I just thought about how powerful an eyewitness or a testimony is. Uh, you, you think about if you're getting ready to go eat somewhere, and somebody says, hey, I wouldn't go there. I went there, and let me tell you what was in my food. You know, and you're like, what? And, and you're like, what, what place are you talking about? Don't worry about it. I'm sure it's not the place you're going this afternoon. But, you know, when somebody says, hey, go there. They give you lots of food. It's wonderful. You're, you're apt to go. Or if you're getting ready to buy something, where's the first place you look? Amazon, right? You look at all the reviews and all the, the things and all the people who say, man, I wish I would have listened to all the negative reviews before I bought this thing. And now it's falling apart. There's just something about having a witness or having a testimony that allows us to say, I can commit here. I can buy in here. I, I can actually spend money here. I can spend time here uh, in order to pursue this thing. And so when we come to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, we see that the author of Hebrews is talking about a group of witnesses that tell us about the faith that we are pursuing. And so Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let's pray. Father, I pray that as we study your word together this morning that you would speak to us, 
God, that you would speak through your word to us. God, that you would use me to speak your word to your people. God, I pray that you would change our hearts and that you would change our minds through hearing uh, from your word this morning. God, that we would hear this cloud of witnesses that speak of your greatness and your goodness and your love for us and that we would respond in a way that pleases you and honors you. God, I pray that you would challenge us through your word to be changed this morning. And God, that we wouldn't be challenged, but that we truly would be changed. God, I pray that as we go through this service now, that you would speak mightily into our hearts and into our lives and that you would use us to change the world around us. God, I pray that when we leave here today, we would be new people, new creations, uh, through the power of your word, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you would speak to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And and so the, the author of Hebrews says that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and because of this cloud of witnesses, that we're to run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, I don't know about you guys, but running a race, much less a marathon like he's talking about here, is not on my bucket list. Any of y'all run a marathon here lately? You can raise your hand and brag if you want and show the rest of us up. It's not on my bucket list. It's on my, if I tried, I may kick the bucket list, but it's not on something that I'm going to do anytime soon, right? Well, and it's because that's a lot of work. And, And we're not talking about a normal race here. When he says race, he means Marathon, he means something that's going to take a long time. This is not like a 40-yard dash. This isn't even a 100-meter sprint or anything like that. This is going to take a long, drawn-out process to get to the end of this race, to get to the end of this marathon. In fact, you better prepare and you better train before you start uh, after this race. Otherwise, you're going to fail in the middle of it. But if you were to tell me, hey, If you run this marathon, if you run this race, at the end of it, I'll give you some great prize, whatever that prize may be, something more than an ice cream cone, right? I mean, it's going to have to be something pretty big to get me to run this long race. But if you say, hey, when you cross that finish line, you know, a brand new truck with a bass boat is going to be waiting on you behind it. I'd be like, all right, I'm I'm down, let's do it. We'd have a whole group this afternoon go out and run a marathon, wouldn't we? Because we know that when we get to the end of that marathon, when we get to the finish line, It'll be worth it. It'll be something worthwhile. And so all we have to do, in fact, all we have to do is finish this race. The type of race that the author of Hebrews is talking about here is the type of race where you're not competing against anyone but yourself. It doesn't matter what place you come in. All you've got to do is finish. That's my kind of race, right? Run at your own speed. You don't even have to race anybody else. You don't have to trip your opponents or anything. You just, you just finish, and that's all you have to do. And the whole time you're running the race, you're thinking about whatever it is at that prize. It, like I said, it doesn't uh, matter what place you come in. Now, does that make the, the race any easier to run? Does it make your knees throb any less or your lungs burn any less or your side hurt any less? Well, well no. But the whole time you're not thinking about all that. You're thinking about getting to the finish line. You're thinking about finishing this race. And so when he compares our life, our walk with Jesus to a race, he's reminding us of something. You see, no one who knows what it is to walk with Jesus ever says walking with Jesus is easy. No one ever says that. The Bible sure doesn't say that. And no one who's walked with Jesus very far is going to tell you that walking with Jesus is easy. That's never the promise. The promise is that it's it's worth it. The the promise is, is that walking with Jesus isn't easy, that it's worth it so that when you cross the finish line when you pass from this life into eternal life 
all the pain, all the suffering, all the, the struggles that you had here are all worth it, that finally you feel peace and joy. Paul said that I, I, I count this present life, the sufferings I'm going through right now, as not even being worthy of being compared to the glory that I'm going to receive uh, when I finally get to heaven. And, and so the author of Hebrews says to us, listen, listen to what it is to uh, finish this race. Listen to all the witnesses that are speaking of this race that you are running. And because of what they say, throw off all the stuff that would slow you down, throw off the sin that's going to tangle you up, throw all those things away so that you can finish this race. He says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, testimonies about how amazing it is to run this race, don't give up, don't quit, keep on running. Uh, and so these people that he is talking about, these witnesses that he's talking about, these aren't paid actors. Like this isn't somebody trying to make their career in Hollywood. These are people who have actually done it and they're saying it's worth it. It's worth it to run this race. Listen to Hebrews chapter 11 beginning in verse 32. Let me run through this summary of people that he points out ran this race ahead of us and now speak to us about how amazing finishing this race is. Hebrews 11:32 he says, "And what more shall I say?" For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect or made complete. The author of Hebrews says that this cloud of witnesses that's speaking to us about this race, they know very well what we're going through. They know very well what it is to walk through the troubles that we're walking through. And when he describes this cloud of witnesses, by the way, what he means is basically a group of people that are running the race beside you and saying, keep on going, don't quit. I've been there. It's hard. Don't stop. It's worth it. You just got to keep going. Put one more foot in front of the other. Don't stop now. And these people who are saying this are not folks who are speaking in theory. Right? It's one thing to tell somebody what to do uh, when you haven't actually done it yourself. It's quite another when you actually have done it. Right? I mean, you have, you have folks who try to tell you how to raise kids who have never raised kids. You're like, you don't know, man. <laughs> you don't know what it's like not to get sleep for months on end. You don't know what that's like. Yeah, it's a totally different world once you start raising children, right? Well, well to say, talk about something and actually do it are two different things. And so what the author of Hebrews is saying is these people have been there. They've done it, and they made it through all of it through faith. He, they made it through things that we are not capable of handling through faith. They know what you're going through. They know what it is to face the struggles you're facing. And so he lists some of these people out. He, we've already talked about a lot of them. One man I, I thought about this morning is a man named Joseph. And this is one of the, the folks in the list that 
that the author of Hebrews gives us. Joseph is a man who was betrayed by his family. You ever had your family hurt you, mistreat you? Joseph did. His own brothers sold him into slavery to a land that he'd never known, to a, a foreign people. And so Joseph, being someone who was trying to follow God, stayed faithful. He walked with God. In fact, uh, Joseph uh, was so faithful that he was uh, given in slavery to this man named Potiphar. And so he lived in Potiphar's house. He did what Potiphar wanted him to do, and he obeyed God, and he glorified God. Well, it wasn't long before Potiphar's wife falsely accused Joseph of trying to take advantage of her, uh, of trying to, to get with her apart from her wishes. She lied about him. Even though Joseph did nothing wrong, he only did what he was supposed to do, and because of that he was thrown in, into jail. He was thrown into prison. And there in prison there was some people, and he helped them, still being faithful. These people got out of prison and they didn't remember Joseph. Joseph was forgotten here in prison. All he's done in all his life is be faithful. Then finally, God provided a way for Joseph to get out of that prison. He gets out of that prison and he becomes Pharaoh, the king of Egypt's right-hand man, basically the second most powerful man in the world at the time. But all this wasn't necessarily for Joseph's sake. At the end of his life, when he's facing his brothers, he says, you know, guys... What I went through was terrible, and what you did to me was terrible, but it was worth it. I stayed faithful, and God was faithful, and God took care of me so that I can stand here before you today and say that God used me to save all these people alive. You see, Joseph had been used by God during a time when there was a lot of, lot of extra food, a lot of extra resources, and God used Joseph to, to lead the king to store all these resources up. And then famine came on the land, and when famine came on the land, there's no food to be had except for the resources in the storehouses that Joseph had them store up. Had Joseph not been there, the people in that region would have starved to death because there would have been no food. God used Joseph's faithfulness to provide a way of living, not just for the people in Egypt, but for God's people too. And so Joseph says, yes, it was, it was worth it. Yes, God is faithful. Yes, it was worth it to run this race. What, did it hurt? Absolutely. Did, it, did I struggle? Absolutely. Did I want to quit some days? Absolutely. But I stayed faithful. I followed the Lord and God used me in a mighty way. That's what Joseph speaks to us this morning. You think about another man. You think about the man named Daniel. Daniel was a man who lived in a culture that was very anti-God. He lived in a culture that did not love the Lord. In fact, he had been taken from his homeland as a teenager. And in this homeland, as a teenage, or in this new land, as a teenager, these new people, they wanted to strip everything away from Daniel that said, you're a child of God. They wanted to take him and mold him into someone that did not honor God. But Daniel said, nope, not for me and my friends. We're going to honor God. We're going to live faithfully for God. Even though our life isn't going the way that we expected it to go, even though we expected to be officials in the, the kingdom of Israel by this time, even though nothing has happened the way we wanted it to, we're going to be faithful to God. And you know what? God blessed them. God blessed Daniel to the point that Daniel became one of the most trusted men in, in the, the nation in which he lived. So blessed him that he was uh, seen, uh, the other government officials were jealous of him. They were jealous of who Daniel had become. And so they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to make a law that says if Daniel or if anybody prays to anyone other than the king, then they're going to be thrown in the lion's den. And so they got a law passed, and you know what Daniel did? He went home, he opened his window like he did every day, and he prayed. And he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. 
and the government officials saw him. They took him down and threw him in the lion's den because he had broken the law. He had prayed to someone other than the king. But God sent his angel and he closed up the mouths of the lions so that the next day when the king came down and said, Daniel, are you okay? He said, yes, my king, live forever. The Lord has saved me. The Lord has protected me. He sent his angel to close up the mouth of the lions. So if you ask Daniel, was it worth it? He would say, yeah, it was worth it. Yeah, running this race was worth it. Was it hard? Absolutely. Was it scary? Absolutely. Because we live in a world where people don't like Christians like they, they used to. Is it scary sometimes? Absolutely. But is it worth it? Yeah, you better believe it. It's worth it. Because the payoff is far better than anything we get in the, in the immediate, anything we get in the temporary. And so for people like Joseph and Daniel, it was worth it. You say, yeah, that's great. It worked out for them. What about me? What about when I'm faithful and I still don't get the promotion? What about when I'm faithful and I still don't receive healing? What about when I'm faithful and I pray for my family and I pray for my family members and they won't stop destroying themselves? Well, the author of Hebrews doesn't sugarcoat it for us, guys. The author of Hebrews doesn't say, yeah, do this and your life will turn out perfect and your life will turn out exactly the way you want it. He never says that. And what he says is, is there were some who were tortured, <coughs> who suffered mocking, who were thrown into prison, they, who were killed by, by stoning, basically having rocks thrown at you until you die. And some were even sawn in two. This last one that I mentioned, those who were sawn in two. Think about the prophet Isaiah. Most feel like that that's who this is referencing. Isaiah was a man who grew up in a time period or lived in a time period where Israel's future was uncertain and God called him to serve him. And he said, Isaiah, I want you to be my prophet. I want you to be my mouthpiece and I want you to speak on my behalf to these people. But before you go and talk to these people, Isaiah, and before you go and tell them what I want them to do, I want you to know something. They're not going to listen. They're not going to obey. They're not going to repent. Your whole entire life is going to be spent talking to a group of people who are so stubborn that it's like they have their fingers in their ears. It's like they have rocks for hearts. They will not listen, Isaiah. That's your life plan. And Isaiah was faithful. And Isaiah spoke. And for his troubles, he was, sawn, he was thrown in a log and sawn in two. Would you ask Isaiah, is it worth it? He would say, yeah, because I was going to lose this body anyway. I was going to lose this life one day anyway. I'd gladly trade it a thousand times over for a life and a body that never fades away. I would lose this city one day anyway. I'd gladly trade it a thousand times over for a city that will never be taken from me, from a people that will never be taken from me, I'd gladly trade everything to spend eternity with him. Yes, absolutely it was worth it. I would run that race a thousand times over. If Isaiah, Isaiah is speaking to us this morning. You say, that's great, but you know I have all these issues. I, I have more month than I have paycheck. I have more bills than I have money. I have more struggles than I have help. He talks about them too. He talks about us too. He says... He says this, many walked around in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. There are many who ran this race before us who didn't have clothes, who didn't have a house, who everybody hated. Yet they kept running the race. Yet they kept going because they knew what was at the other end of that finish line was worth more than whatever 
was in, directly in front of them. That's why the author of Hebrews here says to lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily ensnares us or entangles us. It's because the stuff of this world will catch our eye and we'll begin to think, oh, this is better than what God has for me. But it's not. It's not better. You see, these people lived out their entire lives being faithful to the Lord. And in spite of being faithful to the Lord, they never even got what you and I have. They never even saw Jesus come. They were looking forward to the promise. They were looking forward to the day when the Savior would finally arrive and and save God's people from their sins. They were looking forward to the day when the Messiah would finally come on the scene, and yet they all died. They all uh, passed away from this life into the next without seeing it. The author of Hebrews says they all died with their commendation. They all died with God saying, well done, good and faithful servant, and yet they never saw the coming Savior. And author Hebrews looks at us and says, but you have. He has come. He has come and He has redeemed you. We do not look forward to the coming of Christ. We look backward and forward. We look backward to the cross and then we look forward to His coming again. But we, we live in a day and an age where we're not asking a high priest to go in and make intercession for us. We're not asking a high priest to go in and, and slaughter a bull or a goat or anything like that. We live in a day and age where we get to enter into the presence of the Most High God because of what Jesus did, because of what He accomplished on the cross. We, we, we are living in a day and an age where the, the sacrifice has already been made and we enter into His presence, uh, the place that only the high priest could enter once a year before Jesus. We enter into His presence whenever we want through what Jesus has done. We enter in with boldness, not afraid, because we know that Jesus has made the sacrifice in our place. And so he says all these other people went through all these troubles and they didn't even get what you got and they are saying to you, don't quit, don't give up, continue moving forward. Keep your focus on Him. Look at verse 2. And this is how we keep moving forward. Instead of looking backward or to the side, we look to Jesus. Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The greatest witness we have to the, uh, the, the worthiness of the race that God has called us to is Jesus himself. How do we keep from being weighed down and bogged down with the world around us? By keeping our eyes on Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, the beginning and the end of our faith, the one who gave the promise and the one who fulfilled the promise. God gave the promise that a Savior would come, Jesus fulfills His promise by being that Savior. God doesn't just promise that He's going to do something for us. He's actually done something for us. The place that we find the greatest witness, the greatest strength, the greatest comfort is in Jesus Himself. The author of Hebrews here says, look at Jesus. Look at who He is and what He did. Who for the joy that was set before Him. The joy being the the fact that He is buying for Himself a people that He is able to say to us this morning, you are forgiven. He endured the cross. The cross wasn't something that was thrust on him. It was something that he chose. Where most of the time our suffering is something that we end up in. No, Jesus went directly to the cross on purpose. The cross being the, the most brutal, humiliating form of execution of its time. Being something that was so terrible, so horrible that, that proper Roman citizens wouldn't even use it in uh, casual conversation because it was seen as profane and, and beneath them. Yet Jesus chose the cross. He endured it. He went to it. Why? Well, because he knew what was at the other end. He knew it was on the other side. 
this joy that was before him. What's this joy? He bought for himself a people of all, of all names, all, of all tribes, all tongues, and all peoples to spend eternity with them. And so his, his work is finished. It says here that, his, uh, that he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Guys, Jesus is not pacing the floor in heaven this morning trying to figure out how to help us. No, his work is finished. He sat down. He's not sitting down on the job. His job is done. His job is finished. He has fully paid for our sin. He has fully paid our pardon. He has fully paid for our guilt and our shame. And so he says, look at him because that's how you will re- uh, receive strength. He says, consider him, in verse 3, consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. He says, look at Jesus and look at the things that he endured for you so that when you feel like giving up, you can have strength. So that when you feel like throwing in the towel, you can find encouragement. So that you, when you feel like you can't put one more foot in front of the other, you can find joy. Because Jesus died in your place, paid your penalty, so that you can have eternal life with him. He didn't quit, he kept going. And, and so what I want to do this morning and the time we have remaining, is, is just look at a few lessons we can learn from this passage. The first lesson is this. Listen to and be faithful witnesses. Listen to faithful witnesses and be faithful witnesses. Something I'm not always good at doing is listening. Um, I'm really good at speaking and talking and talking and talking. I'm not always good at listening, but this is something that we, we must do. We must consider all the witnesses around us. This is something that's really hard to do when we're younger because we know everything, right? I mean, if only we could go back a few years or if I could go back a few years back to when I knew everything, everything would be okay, right? But as you get older, you learn how little you really know. You learn how uncertain life really is and you begin to say, man, maybe I don't know everything. I, I posted a, a picture that Miss Donna Smith had sent me a while back uh, of a group of faithful ladies from Grand Avenue on, on Facebook this morning and and she had just talk, told me how, you know, how much of an impact those ladies had made on her life and on so many other uh, women and, and men's life here at Grand Avenue through just being a faithful witness, just through showing a, a faithful pattern of what it means to follow after Jesus. Guys, we must listen to those. We must listen to those faithful witnesses. Titus 2 tells us that, that the older are to train the younger, the older are to pour into the younger. Well, it's important to listen to those who are a little further down the road than you are. I mean, who better to listen to than someone who's actually been there and done that? Someone who's actually experienced it. That's why, you know, I love YouTube and Google. You can do anything now, right? Because you can watch someone else do it. I mean, instead of having to read an instruction booklet, you can actually watch it. I remember uh, whenever I first uh, got my vehicle, it, it's a an older forerunner and, and one of the selling points of the forerunner is that the, the back window rolls up and down it's pretty cool i thought well mine didn't roll up and down so it's not as cool and so i googled it figured out how to fix it and sure enough i fixed it plugged in the, the little thing i watched this guy do it and so i was able to do it and sure enough it rolled down but it wouldn't roll back up it only rolled back up every now and then right and so in a rainstorm it's kind of bad and then sometimes it'd roll down on its own and so yeah it was good at rolling down just not so much at rolling up and so I Googled that, and apparently it's a common problem, and this guy walks through all the steps. Basically, you got to go through every wire in the vehicle, figure out where it's at. And I was like, hmm, it's not that cool, right? It's not worth it. I watched somebody else who had done it, and I said, ooh, that's not worth it. Sometimes, guys, you have ideas about things that would be worth it, 
And someone who's a little further down the road will say, that's not worth it. Let me tell you, that's not worth it. And, you know, if I would have listened a little better, I would have never gotten called about, you know, going and, and telling how great of an experience I had at that car dealership, right? I mean, if you, if you listen to people, they will tell you, this is worth it. This is worth investing in. This is not. Like, who would be better to learn about loving your husband or loving your wife from? Someone who's done it for 50 years or someone who read a book on it? But who would be better to help you walk through losing someone you love? Someone who's heard about it or someone who's went through it? Who's going to help you better through these things of, uh, of being made fun of for being a Christian or losing your job or walking with Jesus through the hardest times in your life? Guys, who's better to walk with you through those times than people who've walked through it themselves with Jesus and said, hey, by faith, I made it through that. And let me tell you, walking with Jesus through that time is worth it. Let me tell you, walking with Jesus through those times is worth it. If I would have listened better when I was younger, I would have saved myself a whole lot of time, money, and heartache. And so we listen to this cloud of witnesses, not just about the everyday physical stuff, but about the spiritual stuff, about the things that God wants to teach us. I mean, if you're running a race with someone who's been down the path before, and they say, if you go right, it's totally uphill. If you go left, it's downhill. I'm choosing downhill. And I'm going to listen to what they have to say. The same thing is true spiritually speaking. Hey, if you keep doing that, you're going to create problems for you and your whole family later on. Let me tell you, I've been there. We, we listen to those who've been a little further down, but it's also true that those who are further down the path have a responsibility to teach those who are just beginning the race. Those who are younger in life, those who are just becoming into the Christian faith, it, it's those who are more experienced and more wise, it's their responsibility to teach them which takes some wisdom, which takes some patience and some grace, right? I mean, have you ever taught a, a young person to drive? I've not done that yet, but I remember mom and dad teaching me or dad teaching me, and I'm, that wasn't a pleasant experience for them, I'm sure. And we had a dirt road. They don't even have those hardly anymore, right? Where are you going to go learn to drive anymore? But, but it's a challenge sometimes as people uh, are figuring out the, the way to live and the way to go. It's a challenge. We have to be patient and bear with one another through the grace of Christ, not because necessarily they deserve it, but because Jesus deserves our obedience. He deserves our love, and so we show his love to those around us. And so we invest in those who are newer to the faith and those who are younger than us. Because if we don't, who will? If we don't, then who's going to fill in that gap? Folks who aren't walking with Jesus. And so we listen to the, the cloud of witnesses around us, and we be a witness. And then secondly... Just very quickly, I want to tell you that no matter what, it's worth it. No matter where you are in this race, no matter where you are in following Jesus, I want to tell you that it's worth it. And I want to tell you that the end of following Christ is worth a thousand times, a million times more than anything this world offers. Sometimes following Jesus is tough. It's challenging. Like, but, but seeing the end makes it worth it in the moment. Take working out, for example. Like, How many of you enjoy having to get somebody else feed you cereal because you can't lift the spoon for a couple days after you first start working out. Like, is that fun? No. But the end result of being in shape and feeling better is, right? And so you do it because you feel like it's worth it. Well, the same thing is true when we're following Jesus. Like, it's hard sometimes to, to say no to temptation, but say yes to what Christ is calling us to. That's hard to do, but is it worth it? Absolutely. In the moment, it's tough, but long term, it's far better be with him 
than it is to have whatever this world has to offer because it's temporary. And then the final truth this morning, and, and I'm done pretty much, is no matter where we are in this race and no matter how bad we wipe out, it's never too late to get up and keep running the race, to keep going down this path. It's never, we're never to the point where God is going to say, you know what, you, you wiped out too bad this time, buddy. You did not follow me too bad this time. It, it's over. No more grace for you. Right? It's, I'm done with you. We're never going to get to that point. God, no matter what, is going to say to us, Jesus died in your place. My son died for you. He bled for you. His blood was shed for you. You're never going to get to the place where God says, oh, what you're talking about is going to cost me too much. He gave up his own son for us. What more could he possibly give? It's the way that Paul puts it in Romans chapter 8. The answer is nothing. Because you're never going to get to the point where God says, I don't have enough grace to cover that sin. You don't believe me? Go back through. We don't have time. But go back through it and look at this list of people that he lists as people who are heroes of the faith. You're going to find out that they are not so great of heroes all the time. They fail constantly. But the difference between them and everybody else is they get back on track. They say, I failed, I messed up, I wiped out. I'm going to get back on and I'm going to keep following. I'm going to keep pursuing him. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. And so this morning, don't use your sin as an excuse not to follow Jesus. He paid for your sin. You're not bigger and badder than Jesus. Jesus paid for your sin and he offers forgiveness to whoever would receive it. Would you receive his forgiveness this morning? Would you receive his salvation this morning? The only requirement is that you receive it, that you accept it, that you ask for it. Will you ask him to save you this morning? And if you have asked him to save you and you feel like you wiped out, will you ask him to forgive you yet one more time, get back up one more time and continue this path one more time? If you would, stand with us. And as you stand, I'm going to pray for us. And as, after I pray, we're going to have the time of singing. Let me, let me pray for us. Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that we do have witnesses to, to speak and testify of your greatness, of your goodness, of your love. God, that we have witnesses about us that tell us it's worth it. It's hard now, but it's worth it. God, I thank you for, for the joy of, of getting to know you and of, of getting to experience you uh, with your people. God, I pray that you would uh, help us all to experience that joy this morning. And God, I do pray if there's any here who don't know you, that they would come to know you. And God, if they do know you, that you just encourage them and strengthen them wherever they are and what they're going through. God, we know that all these things that we go through ultimately are for your glory. And so God, I just pray that you'd help us, that you would give us the strength we need to make it through. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you come as we sing?